Hello and welcome to Discovering the Jewish Jesus. I'm your host, Dustin Roberts, and today on the program, Rabbi Schneider reinforces why some people are saved and some are not. Understanding God's sovereignty can be challenging sometimes, but we must remember that God's mercy is at the center of everything that he allows to happen in our lives. So I'd like to invite you to join Rabbi right now as he lays the groundwork for understanding God's rationale. Today's lesson was recorded in the forest of Colorado and comes from our study in the book of Romans titled God is God. But first, Rabbi's going to take a detour to the book of Hebrews to share some deeper insights. This word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to divide the soul of man from his spirit, and that all creation is laid bare before the Word of God. The Word of God cuts to the very center of God's creation. Some parts of the Lord's Word are difficult for humankind to receive. Today, we're going to be looking at a portion of God's Word that's difficult for many to take in. We're in the book of Romans, and what happens in chapter 9 is Paul explains the burden that he has for Israel's salvation. And the fact is that during the time of Paul, up until this day, most of Israel, most of the Jewish community has not believed in or received Jesus as Messiah. And so the dilemma was, if Jesus, if Yeshua really is the Messiah, and the majority of Israel has disbelieved Does this mean that God's plan is failing? And Paul answers that in Romans 9, and he says, may it never be. And then what Paul begins to do is to show that just because someone is born an Israelite or born Jewish doesn't necessarily mean that they're automatically in the favor of God. Paul goes back to Abraham, and Paul mentions that Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. But the blessing and the favor was only on Isaac. And then Paul continues this trajectory and he brings us to Isaac and Rebekah. And the scripture says that Rebekah had twins in her womb, Jacob and Esau. And the Lord said, before the twins were born, neither having done anything either good or bad, in order that God's purpose, according to his choice, might stand, the elder shall serve the younger. And then Paul quotes, as it is written, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Now I'm going to read that just because I want it to fully sink in because it poses a problem for humankind. So listen, not only this, I'm reading in the 10th verse of Romans 9, Paul was speaking, not only this, but there was Rebecca also, when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose, according to his choice, would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. Notice what Paul is doing. He's saying that God is making a choice about these two twins, Jacob and Esau in the womb. And he's making a choice about these two lads before they were born, neither having done anything good or bad. 
And the point is, Paul is saying, that God's choice of one and not the other was not based upon anything within Jacob or Esau. It wasn't based on their works. Paul says that they were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad so that God's purpose, according to his choice, would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. So once again, Paul's saying this is all about the sovereignty of God. And God's choice of one and not the other is not the result of what either of them had done. It's simply a choice in God's heart. I used the illustration last time of a hundred people just in front of me. None of them had worked for me. But if I just simply, out of an act of my own grace, went up to one of the hundred that was standing in front of me and gave one of them a hundred dollar bill just because I wanted to bless him or her, that doesn't make me guilty of not giving the other 99 hundred dollar bills. Because the fact is, if I didn't give any of them hundred dollar bills, I would not be guilty because none of them deserved anything. So this is the point that Paul is making here. All humanity is guilty before God. God doesn't owe any of us anything. But because of God's grace, he has chose to extend favor to certain ones in humanity. Not because there was anything better about the ones that he extended his favor to, but simply because he wanted to do it. So this is the point that Paul is making. Neither had done anything either good or bad, but God, so that his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls, it was said to her, the older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Now, right away, many are reacting about this, saying this does not seem fair. This does not seem like God. That's not who God is. God's not fair. That's unjust. But notice the next verse. Paul says, verse 14, what shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. Do you see the point? Paul knows that what he's saying, what he has written, seems unjust to us. So right now, you and I have to make a decision. Are we going to receive God's word or are we going to set up our own standard of what we think is right and what we think is wrong? The choice is yours because the word is clear about this. Paul, you can read it for yourself, Romans 9. Paul just got done saying God chose one and not the other, and he did it before they were born. Not because he knew what they were going to do, but only because it was what he wanted to do based upon his own heart. Like a mother that chooses to love her child that comes out of her womb not because the child has done anything good or bad, but the woman, the mother, has just chosen out of her own heart to love her child. And so God has chosen certain ones of those he created in his image to set his favor upon. So Paul says, what should we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. And then Paul continues in verse 16. So then it does not depend on the man who wills. Notice once again, it's not rooted in man. It's rooted in God. So that it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. Now Paul even makes it harder to receive as we pick up in the next verse, 
verse 17. We've already established he can show compassion and mercy to anybody that he wants to. He can show favor to whomever he wills. And no one can say that he's unjust for not showing favor to everybody. He said, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. No one could accuse him of being unjust for showing favor to the one and not to the other. But now it even gets harder for the human heart to receive. Paul continues in the 17th verse, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. In other words, when you read in the Torah about the story of Pharaoh, before Pharaoh hardened his heart, the Lord said to Moses, I am gonna harden his heart. People often like to say, well, Pharaoh's the one that hardened his heart, it's true. Pharaoh was definitely involved in the process, but before Pharaoh hardened his heart, the Lord said to Moses, I'm gonna harden his heart. Because every time Pharaoh hardened his heart, and said no to Moses, when Moses said to him, the Lord says, let my people go, every time Pharaoh said, no, I'm not gonna let Israel go, God did a miracle. So by the time Israel left Egypt, the whole region had heard about the miraculous powers of the God of Israel. The whole territory all around Egypt were terrified of the God of Israel because God had revealed his glory. And this is exactly what the Lord wanted to do. He wanted Pharaoh to resist him so that God could respond to Pharaoh's resistance by doing a miracle. And so the Lord would be glorified as a result. So the Lord told Moses, I'm gonna send you to Pharaoh, but I'm gonna harden his heart. So this is what's going on here. Once again, in verse number 17, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. And so once again, God is taking responsibility, not just to show favor to some, but he's even taking responsibility for hardening Pharaoh's heart. You're listening to Discovering the Jewish Jesus and Rabbi will be right back. But first let's check out a new way you can connect with the ministry. Start every day with a faith boost. Be equipped to overcome your obstacles and challenges by beginning each morning with an anointed word from Rabbi sent directly to your inbox. To start receiving yours, simply go to rabbidevotion.com. Thank you for remembering that Discovering the Jewish Jesus is a listener-supported ministry. Rabbi Schneider's teachings are made possible through the generous gifts from people like you, who understand the importance of sharing the good news of Jesus' return. Because of you, we are changing lives all over the world. Give online by visiting discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 800-777-7835. That's 800-777-7835. And now, Let's get back to Rabbi's message. In verse number 18, the text continues. So then he, God, Paul is speaking, has mercy on whom he desires and he hardens whom he desires. Let me read it again because I want you to know this is the word of God. I want you to hear the text. It's easy to react, but don't shoot the messenger. Hear the text. Verse 18. So then he, meaning God, has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. Now again, 
This doesn't seem right to many of you. This seems offensive to some of you. And you're wondering if I am teaching correctly. Well, notice the next thing that Paul says. You, speaking to you that might be offended, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault for who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? Do you get it? Paul is anticipating your reaction. Paul knows that you're going to think it's unjust. Paul knows even that some of us will accuse God. And so Paul responds and says, who are you, O man, to accuse God? You and I are going to think that's unfair by our standards. But Paul's response, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this? Or does the potter have the right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honor and one for dishonor? In other words, Paul is saying, God is God and he created everything for his own purpose and he can do whatever he wants with his creation and whatever he does is just and for you and I as his creation to accuse him of being unjust is the root and the epitome of pride because we don't know. We don't understand the truth of what God is doing. The truth is, is that all humanity is in rebellion against him. And in his sovereign grace, he chose to save some. See, the Bible says, no man seeks after God, no, not one. Everyone that comes to Jesus, Jesus will save. Yeshua said, all that are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. He who comes to me, Jesus said, I will in no wise cast out. But Yeshua also said, no man comes to me in John 6 unless the Father draws him. So we're not talking about God hardening people that want to come to him. We're not talking about God hardening innocent souls. We're talking about God rejecting souls that are already rejecting him. We're talking about God hardening souls that are already hardened to him. And so once again, Paul says, or does not the potter have the right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? And if you're reading the King James, it actually says dishonor. So are you understanding here that God is God? And who are we to oppose him and to question him and to say that we're more just than he is? That because he doesn't fit in to our paradigm of what's right and wrong, that somehow we can accuse him? No, the Bible says that all of creation, all of humanity in the book of Ephesians are children of wrath, living for themselves. So God is dealing with the planet that's in rebellion against him. He's not hardening innocent people, but rather out of an entire planet that's in rebellion against him, he sovereignly chose to save some. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now here's the takeaway that I really want you to receive today. If you can receive this truth that I'm sharing with you and study it for yourself, if you can come to understand that you are saved, that you love Jesus because he first loved you, 
And because he chose you even before you were born and then revealed himself to you at the proper time that you're in him because of his doing, that you're in Christ Jesus, not because of your choice first, because Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So if you can get a grip of this and come to understand that the reason that you love Jesus is because he first loved you and he chose you and brought you to himself, if you can get a hold of that, then you'll know that your salvation is secure, that God is the author and the finisher of your faith and knowing that, that he'll complete in you what he started in you according to the word of God, knowing that, then you have something to take a hold of, that you can trust God to finish sanctifying you, that you can trust him to perfect you, that you can trust him to keep you to the end because your salvation isn't dependent on you. It started and ends with him. The reason you're born again doesn't have to do with something that you created. It's what God did in you. The Bible says, to those that were born not of the will of man, nor the will of flesh, but of God. When you have God abiding in you, you're not gonna practice sin. The Bible says no one that's born of God practices sin. So this concept of trusting God to keep you till the end, this concept of knowing that he that began a good work in you will finish it and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, that's biblical. To say, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe this one saved, always saved. And I don't have, to, I don't even use terms like that because it's just misunderstood. I don't talk like one saved, always saved. That's not the language I use. I use biblical language. My language is I'm trusting God, the one that saved me to keep me. Now, does this mean that I have a mind that I can go out and sin and still be saved? Absolutely not. Number one, I don't want to do that. And number two, if I did do that, I'd question if I was even saved in the first place. So we're not talking about that kind of thinking. What we're talking about is humbly relating to God the way he wants us to relate to him. Jesus once again said it. He said, all the Father gives me will come to me. And of all that he gives me, I will lose nothing. Jesus said to Simon, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, thou art the Messiah. Yeshua said, blessed art thou, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood is not revealed to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In closing, what I want you to take away, beloved, is if you let go of trying to do it yourself and instead trust in God, the author and finisher of your faith, to continue the work of grace that he started in you by his spirit, you're gonna open yourself up to him to work in your life in a much more powerful way as opposed to you trying to keep yourself saved and sanctifying yourself in your own flesh and by your own power. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He that began a good work in you will finish it. He is your Lord. He is your Savior. He loves you and he'll never leave you or forsake you. You're listening to Discovering the Jewish Jesus and the Bible teaching of Rabbi Schneider. You know, today's message is a good reminder for all of us to not put God in a box of our own making. 
He is so much bigger than we sometimes allow him to be in our own minds. But we need to be humble before him so that we can come into a great revelation and peace. So whatever you're going through, I'd like to encourage you to submit your life to God's plan and his purposes right now. And if you feel like you could use a little encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us today. You'll find us online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. And while you're there, we'd love for you to learn more about partnering with us this year as we reach people all over the world with the truth about who God is and why he loves us so much. Your financial gifts and your prayers, they enable us to take God's word into places that we could never reach without your support. And now here is Rabbi once again. Beloved, when I examine myself under the light of God's spirit, I'm challenged by the life of Abraham. Abraham entered into the fullness of God's blessing by surrendering Isaac, whom the scriptures call his only son. What a total act of surrender and sacrifice. What that teaches me is if I'm gonna enter into the fullness of what God has to me, I also need to live a surrendered lifestyle. The rubber meets the road oftentimes in this area with our finances. Many of God's children are not fully surrendered to him in the area of their finances. Beloved, let's trust him. Let's honor him and let's give him what is due from the first fruits of our wealth. If the Lord is using discovering the Jewish he is to bless you and you feel the Holy Spirit knocking at the door of your heart to present an offering to Father God through this ministry, beloved, just be obedient. And when you do, you'll open your heart for Father to pour his blessing into your life. If you would like to send a financial gift to us right now, then please visit us online when you go to discoveringthejewishjesus.com. That's discoveringthejewishjesus.com. You can also give by calling 800-777-7835 or through the Rabbi Schneider mobile app. As our way of saying thank you for your monthly partnership, we'll send you a select audio CD of Rabbi Schneider's message of the month. And it's also available as a digital download. And for our new monthly partners, we have an additional token of appreciation, an authentic, beautifully handcrafted shofar that's been custom made in Israel. This elegant horn was first mentioned in Exodus 19, where the blast of the shofar emanated from the thick cloud on Mount Sinai and made the people tremble in awe. Most people today call it a trumpet, but it's so much more. And when you receive this token of our appreciation, it'll help you remember God still loves his chosen people. And he's using people like you and me to share the good news. So please sign up online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Now let's close today's program with a special blessing from Rabbi. In the book of Numbers chapter 6, the Lord gave instructions to Moses and Aaron to speak this blessing over his people. And the Lord said, when you speak these words over my people, I will place my name on them and bless them. Receive the impartations of the Lord's blessings. Yahweh, 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 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up with his countenance and the Lord give you, beloved one, his peace. God bless you and shalom. I'm Dustin Roberts, and Discovering the Jewish Jesus is a production of Shalom Ministries. Be sure to join us again tomorrow when Rabbi Schneider explains the details regarding the wrath of God. That's coming up Thursday on Discovering the Jewish Jesus.